Kate and Beth Saxton have been a part of our family for over two years. They have three incredible kids, Carter, Emerson, and Cash. They have a passion for the next generation. They serve in young life. They serve also athletes from Odessa College. One thing interesting about Nate that you need to know is that he was a fighter pilot in the Navy. Yes, our own Top Gun guy right here at Mid-Cities. I love these guys, and you're going to love them too. Welcome from the pew, Nate and Beth Saxton. Well, good morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take down the cool factor a little bit. I did not fly a fighter jet. I flew the oldest, slowest plane in the Navy. But at all the risk and cheesiness of Top Gun, the coolest thing about me is here and right down there in front with Emmy and Carter. That's truly the coolest thing about me. Um, it's really good to be here this morning. Um, I am very proud of, of where we're at and where our family's at, but where, where we are today is not where we've always been, and it's not where we were five years ago. Uh, I wanna share a passage in Revelation chapter three, uh, 15 through 17, and this is Jesus speaking, and he says, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm gonna vomit you out of my mouth. And that's where I found myself five years ago. I find, found myself really living three different lives, three very different lives. I found myself living a life at home with Beth and our kids and our community, being a leader in church, starting a church. I was known by all these people as this one life. And then I had a second life that was my work life that was a pretty strong semblance of the life that I was at home, but I talked a little different and I acted a little different. And then I had a third life and the third life was a real dark life. It was a life that Nate wasn't married, he was single. Uh, he didn't have a family, he was footloose and fancy free. And that life full of darkness and lies led me to infidelity and unfaithfulness to my family and ultimately where it led me to was what Jesus said and, and really knowing that I was the vomit coming out of God's mouth. And so I was faced with a choice five years ago, so sick to my soul, I was faced with really two choices. I could end it all, which was a reality that I thought about, or I could shatter my family uh, by confessing everything. And I, it reminded me of a story that I, I, I had learned from a commanding officer in the Navy that had brought me in for a yearly, our yearly evaluation that talked about life being a lot of balls that we're juggling. You've got your family, you've got work, you've got your friends, you've got hobbies, you've got education, all these things that you're juggling. And from time to time, balls fall off. And um, you know, then you, you pick, you, the fortunate thing about almost all the balls is that they're rubber. So you can, your work can fall off for a, a minute and it'll bounce back up because it's rubber. But the only ball that you can't do that with is your family. And that's what I did. And so uh, a little, uh, about five years ago, uh, we were on a, had gone for a date night and I was so, so sick to my soul that I, I, I was physically manifesting illness. I, 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 we, I couldn't even make it through the movie. I'm usually the one that's always driving. I handed the keys to Beth and said, we got to go home. And, and I confessed. So like most moms with young kids on a date night, I was excited to be there. Um, but this night was really different. I um, was completely blindsided to find out that really the 15 years that we had been married um, were in a lot of ways a lie. And 
there was a completely alternate reality that I was totally unaware of. And so, as you can imagine, this did, um, it didn't just shatter our family, it didn't just break our family. I think it really just kind of turned our family to dust. The idea of what our family was didn't exist anymore um, in my mind. And I've, you know, equated it sometimes to the movie The Matrix when you walk in and they're like, do you want the red pill or the blue pill? And I didn't really have a choice. I got the red pill. And I knew then, um, I think there was a kindness in knowing what my life really was, but it was, it was a hard new reality of what life was. Um, but I think even in that, I was thinking earlier when that song was talking about just saying the name of Jesus, like I had nights where I would just, I really couldn't say anything, but just like Jesus, 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 like just help us. And, um, and he did, he, he began a, a rescue plan of our family. Um, and I think really more than anything in those early days, he just gave me the ability to desire to stay in a situation that I would have never wanted nor chosen to be in. Um, and I really had no way of knowing in those early days and months when I felt like I was barely surviving my life that God would eventually completely restore our marriage, um, that he had a way paved for us where he was gonna provide wise counsel. He had a community that was waiting in the wings to support us, even though I couldn't have imagined people kind of sticking by us through this, they did. Um, he reestablished our family. He moved us here in this process and uh, gave us a new home with a new community to support us, which is amazing. Um, within three years time of this confession starting, we renewed our vows to each other, which I would have never imagined wanting to do at that stage in the game. And five years later, we're here talking to you. So we're very grateful for the opportunity. Well, in those early counseling sessions, and we, we really have been through hundreds of hours of counseling, um, there were a couple of biblical principles that uh, are, are, are really what we're here to talk about. Um, in our very first counseling session, our counselor shared Colossians 1, 13, and 14. Um, it's our family's verse. You can bring all three of our kids up here and we can all tell, tell it to you uh, without, without reading it. Cash was, I think, two and pro probably this, these verses were some of his first words. But Colossians, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has rescued us. That is a fact, that is reality. It wasn't the reality I was living in, but that is reality. And another principle that, our biblical principle that, that our counselor shared with, with me early on in the first couple of days was that many times we as Christians really lean heavy on 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And that is also reality, that is also fact. But we neglect to remember James five sixteen, which says, if confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And I didn't realize it at the time, but on that date night where confession started happening, healing was really starting to happen. It was a new birth. It was healing that was actually going on. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, 
and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So after this act of obedience of confessing, I, I really faced a, re, a, a, new, a new situation of, so where, where do I go from here? And uh, the, the Lord really directed me to Psalm 51, which is David's confession. And oftentimes we find ourselves in this situation of, uh, I, I know that I've done wrong, I know that I've confessed, but what do I do now? What, what, what can I possibly do? And David gets all the way to the end of Psalm 51, and he, he says that. He says at the end of Psalm 51, he said, if you wanted a sacrifice, God, I would bring it to you. But you, what you really want is a sacrifice of a broken spirit and a contrite heart. So what he really wants is he wants you to lift your soul and your spirit up to him and say, Jesus, you, t- tell me how, you teach me how to think. You teach me how to live. You teach me how to behave. You teach me, you teach me, you teach me. And it's daily going back to that, that surrender, that posture of surrender of saying, Jesus, you teach me. And in doing that, he does transform us. So I think as Nate was having that transformation and God was bringing kind of these things um, to light for him, I think the big rescue for my soul and for me was that um, really God gave me not just like I didn't have to like muster it up, but the true desire to stay in the story that I would have never wanted or chosen. Um, and to be completely honest, if, if I had sat where you're sitting, I would have judged or looked down on. Um, and I wound up with a lot of gratitude and peace that this story gets to be mine. Um, because marriage is an intimate journey, as most of you know. If you're married and um, you, you spend so much time with a person, you know them inside and out. And so with a lot of authority, I can say that over the last five years, I have watched Nate put in the blood, sweat, and tears that it takes to transform yourself completely and fully. Um, we talk about a lot of times our kids love to watch like kind of old you know, iPhone home movies and I'll see a picture or a video and I'm like, that person feels very familiar to me and I know who that person is, but I don't feel like I even know that person anymore because he has really completely transformed himself into who I know God created him to be. And that's been an awesome journey to watch. Um, I've also said before, it's like, if you woke up one day and found yourself, you know, just 300 pounds overweight, just massively overweight and really had a a big choice to make. Am I gonna put in, you know, the daily hard work that it takes to choice after choice, thing after thing, um, decide to make myself new, become a new person. And that would take years. It wouldn't just happen overnight. And I think that is the choice that I have watched him make over time. And he has, he's wound up happy, healthy and fit. And I'm so proud of him. So um, because I got to watch this journey, I think my anger and my devastation turned into admiration for him as a person. My fear of abandonment became a seat of honor in this family. And I felt like I was chosen honestly by God to be a firsthand witness to his transformation and rebirth as a person. And I think the biggest thing I've learned is that we have to be open to God's plans for our life. I think we say that a lot, like I'm open to whatever God wants to do for me, but what about when it's a story that you don't want and it's just put in your lap and you have to deal with it? And that may look nothing like what you imagined it would look like. Um, 
and you may not think you would have the capacity for that. I think we do this thing as Christians where we imagine, like you hear somebody talking, like we're talking, or another tragic thing happens and you're like, oh, I could never do that, or what would I do if that happened to me? But the thing is, when we're imagining ourselves in those situations, the thing that we can't imagine is what it would feel like to be in it with God. And so when you're in it and he's there, you can do things that you never thought you would have the capacity to do. Um, so I think, you know, the last thing I'll say is just, even if, you know, I don't know where everybody's sitting right now and what they're thinking, but I know for me, a big deal has been that I have oftentimes, you know, this is a big step. Like we've never publicly shared this story. There are people in our community that know this story well, but on a public scale, we've never shared this. Um, and human nature says fear, you know, what would people think of me if they knew the worst things about me? Um, and I feared personally that, you know, as a woman and choosing my marriage and choosing this situation, when people openly know that, that I would look like a weak and a spineless person. Um, but I've come to realize that the power of redemption is greater than all of that. God gave me a grace and a desire to stay in this story that I would have judged and said a million times over I would abandon so that his glory could be shown. And more remarkably, he restored my point of view and I'm honored to be a part of the story and I'm honored to be a part of our journey. And by, God, by God's grace, uh, I am new and we are new. And it was a few years ago that I decided at some point that I wanted to be rebaptized. Uh, but we talked about it, and I, uh, I, I really wanted to wait at that point. At this point in time, uh, Carter and Emmy, uh, our two oldest kids, had already been baptized, but Cash had not been baptized. And I just thought uh, and prayed about um, waiting uh, to get rebaptized until Cash was ready to be baptized. And so a few weeks ago, um, really, even before we knew that we were going to be uh, sharing in church, Cash began to ask questions about baptism and, and made the choice to follow Jesus. And just a few weeks ago, um, we, he got baptized in our pool. I got to baptize him and then got to be baptized with him. Um, so where, where, where do we go from here? I want to go back to Revelation 3 because many times we talk about the lukewarm verses, but then we... We don't skip, but we don't talk about what Jesus says after this. Starting with verse 18 in Revelation 3. I adv- this is Jesus speaking. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich and white clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed and buy ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be committed and repent. Listen, listen. I'm standing here at the door knocking. And if anybody would invite me in, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. What I didn't realize, even going back to the beginning of confession, is I didn't realize that Jesus had already written a rescue plan for me and my family. It was, it was written. It just took me inviting him, inviting him. Jesus, Jesus, speak the name of Jesus. Your rescue plan has been written. It may look different than mine. It may look different than ours. It may have nothing to do with marriage. But even going back to the, 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 dark, the darkness that I lived in for a long time, and I think, I think and reflect about that, and there's really kind of some steps that 
I think are really applicable to any darkness that's in our life or any, any sin that's in our life. But lies lead to compromises. Compromises lead to bondage. And if we're not real careful, bondage all of a sudden becomes our identity. That's just who we are. And so what the biggest lie of all is, is that this is just who you are. This is who I was. But the moment that we cast all of God's light on it by confessing, the moment that we cast all of God's light on it by being obedient, that's when Satan's getting kicked in the teeth and he has nowhere to hide anymore. As a matter of fact, it's exposing everything. It's exposing him. And Jesus has the opportunity to come in and begin building, changing, healing, renewing, restoring to something that's even greater than you could have ever imagined. So that's, that's our appeal. That's really what our story is. It, 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 we're in it and we get to be part of it, but it's really, this is God's story. This is Jesus' story. And it is, it is him. Jesus said over and over and over again what he said in Matthew 4, 17, the kingdom of God is at hand. It is here. It is not for when we die. It is here now. The kingdom of God is here. And we have the opportunity to, to participate in it, to be part of it, and to experience all of the treasures that are in God's kingdom right now. And so I, that is our appeal. No matter where you sit, uh, it, what your life looks like right now, you may be married, may not be married, it doesn't matter. Just look at your life. And if you are sitting in a place of bondage, if you're sitting in a place of sin, if you're sitting in a place of secrets, say, Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we do call upon your name. We praise you for who you are, for your majesty, your goodness, your greatness, your power, your might. And Jesus, I speak to every heart that's in this room. I speak to every heart that is sitting in sin or bondage or secrets that they would be so deathly afraid for anybody to know about. And just ask, Lord, God, I plead with you that you would soften their heart and embolden their spirit to take a step towards you. Jesus, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for what you want to do. We praise you and we thank you for your presence in this room. It's in your name we pray, amen.